My name is Keely E. Davis, and today I will be discussing the poem The Sun as a Spinning Top by Francis Ponge. Ponge was born in France and was considered a surrealist poet who, according to the Poetry Foundation biography, was a, quote, poet of things, due to his focus on everyday objects in his poetry. He was active in the resistance during World War II and spent the last 30 years of his life in his country home where he suffered from illnesses as he continued to write until his death. Here's the poem. The Sun as a Spinning Top It is perfectly natural for the sun to shine initially in the upper left-hand corner of the first page of this book. Brilliant sun! At first, an exclamation of joy, and in response, the acclamation of the world even through tears, but it makes them shine. There is every reason to believe, curious expression, that we are inside the sun, or at least inside the system of its power and its love. The day is the pulp of a fruit, the sun is the pit, and we, drowned in its pulp, like its imperfections, its spots, its defects. We are symmetrical in relationship to its center. Its rays envelop us, run past us, and then go on to play far ahead. Night is the spectacle, the consideration, but the day is a prison, the forced labor of the sky. This star is pride itself, the only instance where pride is justified. Satisfied by what? Satisfied with itself, dominating everything. Everything created is lit by it, warmed by it, recreated by it. The sun dispels the clouds, recreates them, and then goes through the rider without even using all its strength. Briskly, the flashes of light and the heat together blanch the outside of the sails. But in the long run, cold currents of water in the bath always win out. The sun animates a world which it had first damned to extinction. It is then only a feverish or agonizing animation. In the last stages of its rule, it creates human beings capable of contemplating it. Then they die, altogether, and yet they remain as spectators, or escorts. The sun, animating, lighting what contemplates it, plays a psycho-complicated game with it, flirts with it. At times, its nozzle inundates us, at times, only the roof or a large window. In the great barrel of the sky, it is the radiant bung, often enveloped in a rag of dull clouds, but always humid, so powerful is the interior pressure of the fluid, so impregnating its nature. At the moment of his death, Gethy saw the bung give way, and the fluid, pure and dangerous, spurt out, and he said, More light. That may indeed be death. Dazzling sea urchin, clue, dented wheel, a blow of the fist, tomahawk, bludgeon. Here, the first and last are all mixed up. Drums and drumbeat. Every object finds its place between two rolls of the drum. This poem begins as something celebrating the sun. It really fits into the, quote, poet of things title that Ponge has earned. He describes the sun as the life source for everything, and even says, quote, the day is the pulp of a fruit, the sun is the pit showing how sweet and whole the sun and its relationship with the day is, and just how much the day relies on the sun. Without the sun being the pit, there is no day being the fruit. To me, it seems like he's saying we have drowned in the warmth and light of the sun. We are consumed entirely by the fruit of day, and made possible by the sun. 
But then he starts talking about this other side of the sun that is so powerful it can destroy us. He says, quote, In the last stages of its rule, it creates human beings capable of contemplating it, then they die. Meaning it is so powerful, so vast in creating the world, that it made us, but even we can't outlast the light of the sun. Overall, the poem reads like an homage to the sun, but it's extremely bittersweet. The sun creates and helps us thrive, but also outlasts everything it's ever created, and we know that. To me, it reads like someone who used to love the sun has come to learn just how much it can destroy. In relation to Ponge's time in the resistance during World War II, it feels like the sun has made humans its prisoner. The sun marks each day, and Ponge says, quote, Night is the spectacle, the consideration, but the day is a prison, the forced labor of the sky. Night is the peace, but when the sun rises with its heat and rays, we are all stuck under its power, and it's stuck burning its seemingly eternal flame. Some things that I personally admire from Ponge's writing in this poem is first the capitalization of the word sun in the first and second stanza and there only. To me, that's where the appreciation for the sun lies, and then, as the word is used throughout the poem without being capitalized, it's almost like a way to humanize something so immense, in a sense. The sun is so huge and so great, so it's capitalized first, but then as the poem gets into the deeper and more intense sides of the sun that makes us hate the heat and light, it's no longer something to praise. Another thing I admire goes hand in hand with this idea of humanizing the sun, because Ponge describes the sun as playing a, quote, psycho-complicated game with the human beings that contemplate it. It really shows the power dynamic at play with the sun and its people on Earth, which we already know, considering no one can even visit the sun like we have the moon or soon Mars, but the idea of the sun playing a game with us like we're little pawns, or even flirting with us to tease us with its warmth, knowing it can kill us, gives the sun this guard-prisoner complex and gives the sun a humanizing nature. Finally, one of my favorite things in this poem is actually the use of commas to separate ideas or words without actually separating them. One of my favorite lines with these commas is, quote, and we drowned in the pulp like its imperfections, its spots, its defects, because we humans are submerged into the fruit. The commas add so much more emphasis to the words imperfections, spots, and defects it leads into the word defects, giving it so much more power than if it had been in a completely different line. He uses this comma technique a few times throughout the poem, and I just think it really makes the poem so much better. I feel when I read poetry, and even write my own, it's easy for me to take bigger pauses between one line and the next, and the use of commas makes those big pauses just a little smaller, so we still get the payoff of waiting and anticipating the next line or word, but it's just a little more dramatic and engaging to read. I feel this poem is witness to the inevitable downfall of human nature, of human beings. Like I said before, in context with Ponge's work during World War II, I first think of the Holocaust, and then my mind goes to concentration camps and the poor souls trapped under the raining sun and the evil it's created in a sense. This poem alludes to the idea that the sun creates everything and can destroy what it's created, and I feel it's witness to just that. It is the observation of the damaging side of the sun and shows how something so beautiful and illuminating can ruin everything just as quickly as it created it. I'm going to read it for you one more time. The sun is a spinning top. 
It is perfectly natural for the sun to shine initially in the upper left-hand corner of the first page of this book. Brilliant sun! At first, an exclamation of joy, and in response, the acclamation of the world, even through tears, but it makes them shine. There is every reason to believe, curious expression, that we are inside the sun, or at least inside the system of its power and its love. The day is the pulp of a fruit, the sun is the pit, and we, drowned in this pulp like its imperfections, its spots, its defects, we are symmetrical in relationship to its center. Its rays envelop us, run past us, and then go on to play far ahead. Night is the spectacle, the consideration, but the day is a prison, the forced labor of the sky. This star is pride itself, the only instance where pride is justified. Satisfied by what? Satisfied with itself, dominating everything. Everything created is lit by it, warmed by it, recreated by it. The sun dispels the clouds, recreates them, and then goes through the rider without even using all of its strength. Brusquely, the flashes of light and heat together blanch the outside of the sails, but in the long run, cold currents of water in the bath always win out. The sun animates a world which it had first damned to extinction. It is then only a feverish or agonizing animation. In the last stages of its rule, it creates human beings capable of contemplating it. Then they die altogether, and yet they remain as spectators, or escorts. The sun, animating, lighting what contemplates it, plays a psycho-complicated game with it, flirts with it. At times, its nozzle inundates us. At times, only the roof or a large window. In the great barrel of the sky, it is the radiant thong, often enveloped in a rag of dull clouds, but always humid, so powerful is the interior pressure of the fluid so impregnating its nature. At the moment of his death, Gethy saw the bung give way, and the fluid, pure and dangerous, spur out, and he said, More light. That may indeed be death. Dazzling sea urchin, clue, dented wheel, a blow of the fist, tomahawk, bludgeon. Here, the first and last are all mixed up. Drums and drumbeat. Every object find its place between two rolls of the drum. Thank you for listening, and I hope the sun remains your friend.